This episode of the Trek Geeks podcast is brought to you by the Trek Geek Shop. Now you can help support our show and get yourself some cool Star Trek gear at the same time. Check out our line of t-shirts, mugs, hats, and other items for your inner Trek geek at shop.trekgeeks.com. Hi, this is Kim Stinger, Lieutenant Uhura on Star Trek Continues. All hailing frequencies are now open for the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. Welcome, one and all, to the Trek Geeks podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and we are at episode 84. We're so glad you're here with us and that you've downloaded. We hope you enjoy the hour that we have prepared for you today. And joining me to help present that hour of podcast excellence to you, he's been referred to as the Emissary of the Coconuts. And for this latest episode... He's consulted the orb of almond joy for wisdom. Sometimes you feel like a nut, and sometimes you don't. But he's our nut, and we'll keep him. He's Dan Davidson. Dan, welcome aboard, buddy. Would it be the coconut aliens for anyone who doesn't believe? Sure. Okay. It's yeah. good to be here. I like that. That was a good introduction. That makes me feel kind of important, which we know isn't the case. But thanks anyway. Well, you know, I'm sure that there is no orb of almond joy because we all know that mounds would be better. Oh, wow. That's like the right and left Twix argument going. (laughs) Except there's no coconut. Well, that's true. They should put that in the Twix, shouldn't they? (laughs) As somebody who does not like coconut, (laughs) no, they shouldn't. (laughs) Wow. Well, Dan, we've got a, a returning favorite episode with a different series tonight. Yeah, this is a favorite of, I think, both the listeners and of us, to be honest. Uh, we love the theater skippets, and we decided to tackle our favorite Trek spinoff. So we're doing season one of Deep Space Nine tonight, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We got some, we got some interesting thoughts, I think, that we're going to be sharing tonight. We don't want to give any spoilers, but um, did you find doing Deep Space Nine harder than Next Gen or Voyager? No, I didn't. I okay. f- I was surprised with with what I came up with, but I didn't find it harder. Okay, good to know. Mm-hmm. I um I found it a little harder because I was trying to be more critical. Uh, but we can talk about more of that later. Okay, Dan. Right now, we should talk about how people might be able to get in touch with us, and I bet you have that information at the tip of your tongue. Tip my tongue right on my monitor on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype. Uh, our handle is Trek Geeks. You can also send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com, or you can call us at 508-784-1701 and leave us a voicemail, or go to speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks on any mobile device and leave a voicemail that way. Uh, as always, you can join our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. We will let you right in. And as a bonus, because we love you just so much for joining, uh, we're going to give you early access to the Trek Geeks podcast, which that's worth joining just in itself, I think, because you get to listen to Bill all say, the time. And say early. What? That's right. I'm not kidding. Early access, people, so join right up. Uh, just remember that uh, uh, in my Bill Belichick impersonation, uh, any comments or uh, messages you leave us in any of these places, uh, they may be used in a future episode. Bill. Uh, thank you very much, Coach. We appreciate that information. As always, well done, sir. We're on to Deep Space Nine. <laughs> well, not yet. Before <laughs> that, though, we do want to remind people about the Star Trek Beyond Ultimate Blu-ray giveaway that we're doing. Um, there's one week left as people download this. So people need to 
get over to trekgeeks.com slash beyond, right, Dan? Yeah, there's some good information there on how to do it. We're giving away a special Ultimate Blu-ray gift set from Walmart. It's got the Blu-ray, it's got DVD, it's got digital HD, and it has InstaWatch. Plus, there are three replicas. There's a, a USS Enterprise replica ship, the USS Franklin, and a Swarm ship. Uh, so check it out at trekgeeks.com slash beyond uh, what you need to do is share our episode zero zero uh, either through Facebook or through Twitter and that will get you entered right into the contest it looks pretty awesome it does I have to say that I, I have that said ultimate blu-ray gift set in my hot little hands right now and uh, it makes me wish I'd picked up one for me while I was at it. <laughs> well, I've got kind of a funny story about that, actually. Really? Uh, my work has set up their annual gifts for children who are in need, uh, and I was looking at the tree on Friday afternoon, and I said, huh, well, I'll tell you what, I'll get something if somebody has a Star Trek item on the list. And sure enough, a 13-year-old boy wants Star Trek Beyond on Blu-ray. So when I left work Friday, I drove to Walmart and Walmart, and I picked up the ultimate Blu-ray gift set for this young 13-year-old boy who I hope is very happy this Christmas when he gets it. That is super cool, Dan. Very cool. Great job, man. And that kid is going to be so psyched at those three replica ships, let me tell you. Absolutely. Well, Dan, speaking of the holidays, um, after the break, we're going to talk about something that we're doing. So, Bill, uh, with some friends of ours, we are spearheading a new campaign for charity this holiday season, are we not? We are indeed, sir. So, you know, I was talking with Norman Lau the other day, who was on our STLV recap, and he's the host, uh, the co-host of the Blood of Kings, a Highlander podcast over on the Fandom Podcast Network, and we were talking about, you know, how as Trekkies, we must have a ton of toys lying around. You know, it, it wouldn't be really anything at all if we just took one of those toys and, and donated it to Toys for Tots. And that got us thinking. Well, it's like, you know, we probably do have a bunch of them and we've collected them over the years and some of them probably even have dust. And we thought that it would be good to take that passion for collecting that a lot of us have and try to use it to make the holidays brighter for some of the less fortunate children in our cities and towns here in the United States. So Trek Geeks and the Fandom Podcast Network are going to try to help make the holiday season a little bright for boys and girls all over America. So between now and Christmas, what we'd like to see is as many people as possible donate a new unwrapped toy. And that's the key. It's got to be new. It's got to be unwrapped. And we're hoping it's something Star Trek related or sci-fi or, or maybe it's DC or Marvel. Or maybe it's just a geek toy in general. Or it would be really cool if there were some STEM or STEAM toys uh, to donate you know, the science, technology, arts, education, and math uh, endeavor. And we want to see people donate them to their local Toys for Tots drive. Then what we want you to do is take a photo of that gift and post it to social media using the hashtag Trekkies for Tots. And that's what we're calling this campaign. So we want everyone to spread the word. You can go to twitter.com slash Trekkies for Tots, or you can go to facebook.com slash Trekkies for Tots and start posting stuff there. Um, and we've chosen Toys for Tots specifically because this is an effort that the United States Marine Corps takes on every single year, and they have since 1948. You know, since that time, they've donated over 512 million toys, Dan. Wow. To, yeah, to 237 million less fortunate kids. And that's a half a billion toys, dude. That's, that's unbelievable. And to have have this Star Trek wrapper around it, I think is just awesome. I got to, I got to give kudos to you and Norm, especially for, for this idea. And, uh, folks, it's a, it's for a great cause and, uh, let's make it happen. This is, this is phenomenal. You know, we know that not everybody celebrates Christmas and we respect that. You know, if there's a similar toy drive or, or other effort in your community you'd like to donate to, obviously we endorse that 100%, you know, but, um, Toys for Tots has always been close to my heart uh, and my family. Um, my father and grandfather were Marines, and Toys for Tots has always been a part of of my life. And we've all uh, I've seen personally kids get deliveries of these toys, and I've seen what it's done for both the parents 
and the kids. So we're just trying to make the holidays a little brighter. We do want to point out that this campaign is not affiliated with the United States Marine Corps or the Toys for Tots Foundation in any way. This is just a bunch of fans getting together to try to increase the donations during the holiday season. So uh, again, for more, you can always check out our friends at uh, the Phantom Podcast Network. Um, they're at fpnet.podbean.com. Um, or you can check out the Trekkies for Tot sites that I mentioned before. And uh, Dan, we hope that, that everybody piles on board and makes this a great success. I, I'm sure it will be. And, uh, and uh, we wish everyone the best of luck with this endeavor. It sounds like a great idea. So, Bill, here we are, Season 1 of Deep Space Nine, See It or Skip It. We've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, But what else I've been looking forward to is the introduction of our special guest to help moderate this See It or Skip It and keep you in line. Uh, Brooke Wilkins is our guest. Uh, We had the opportunity to meet this wonderful person at STLV two years ago. She does an amazing cosplay as Kira Norris. The resemblance uh, to Nana is is remarkable. And the special thing about that first time we met her is that she actually had her mom with her in Vegas, who was cosplaying for the first time in her life as Kai Opaka. And it was an amazing, amazing uh, uh, job by both of them. So, Brooke, we want to welcome you to the Trek Geeks podcast and the special See It or Skip It. And we'd love to hear a little bit about yourself before we get started. Oh, thank you guys for having me on. I am so excited. This is my my second favorite podcast of all time. Um, sorry to, to, to say second, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) it happened. No, 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 no. Um, and I'm so glad you mentioned my mom. Um, she came to my brother and I go to the Star Trek convention in Vegas pretty much every year. And, um, for the past, I don't know, I have to count my costumes to know exactly how many years, but something like five years. And, uh, mom wanted to figure out what it was that we loved about going down there and geeking out. And so she just got into the spirit and, she cosplayed and everything. It wasn't wasn't her favorite thing, but she did it for her kids, and that that's I I love her so. It and, it was yeah. amazing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you uh, your brother was the Borg Darth Vader, correct? Yes, yes, my oh. brother was Borg Vader. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We we like playing dress up together. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fantastic. I, I've been a Trekkie since I was a teenager, so it's kind of just ebbed and flowed in my life and always been a part of it there. So I was really happy when I found your guys' podcast, and I started listening to it um, just kind of incessantly. So then I was super excited and geeking out when I met you guys a couple years ago. So we, we kind of felt the same way because we got to meet so many people who listened to the podcast, and that made it even more enjoyable for us just to go to the con. It was a whole new experience. Yeah. Oh, I, I hope you guys continue to come. <laughs> oh, that goes without saying. <laughs> so we're we're already booked for 2017, so I don't think you have to worry about that for the foreseeable future. Perfect. Yay. <laughs> so, Dan, let me start off and explain the see it or skip it process real quick. So okay. you and I are going to go through the list of the 20 first season episodes for Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Brooke is going to sort of shepherd us through the list and ask us, you know, in whatever order she decides to, to ask us whether we should see it or skip it. Not because we hate the episode, but because maybe we just don't feel it's it's essential to viewing the season. Sound good? I like the idea. Sounds like we've never done this before. I know. Well, (laughs) today it kind of feels like we've never done this before in a sense. So that said, Brooke, if you are indeed ready, please feel free to begin as you see fit. Okay. So we're going to start out uh, season one, Deep Space Nine, episode one and two. It's a two-parter. It's uh, a new crew is assigned to a former Cardassian space station, Deep Space Nine. Uh, It's a joint Federation Bajoran force with Commander Sisko in charge, but his life is dramatically changed when he's declared the emissary to the prophets by the Bajoran uh, religious leader, Kai Opaka. So, Dan, see it or skip it? Well, I will say that 
previously I would have said skip it because I thought that uh, the episode could have been a little bit weak, but I have a new appreciation for it as I've watched it a couple of times. Um, it is a it is masterful when you when you look at it for what it really means uh, and gives us the idea of the struggles that Cisco is going to be facing both as both as commander of this space station and the wonder of being the emissary to the prophets of this race that he has barely any knowledge about. So definitely a see it for emissary. I have to agree. I um, It's absolutely a see it. I mean, it's the first episode of the series. I mean, and it's essential to the story and the arc over the entire run of the series. And in fact, I mean, this pilot matters in the finale because it relates directly to it. Not kind of like TNG, how they shoehorned it in by creating a way to introduce Q as a bookend. The events of the pilot matter in the finale, and I think that this absolutely is a see it. And Brooke, I suspect that it's probably a see it for you too. In fact, um, it's like the one episode I told my mom, you must see this one before you cosplay Kaiopaka. (laughs) (laughs) And there's no space jellyfish in it. No space jellyfish. No, no. Just just space wormholes. That's it. Yes. Yes. So yes, uh, uh, see it for both. I think hands down that one kind of goes goes without saying. Um, okay, so our next one, past prologue. Uh, a Bajoran terrorist with ties to Kira arrives on Deep Space Nine and is pursued by the Cardassians, and Garrick is introduced. So, Bill, see it or skip it. You know, this is one of those episodes that I went back and forth on for a while because I love Garrick. I mean, he's one of my favorite characters in all of Star Trek. But I don't think that it's enough to make this episode a see it. So for me, it's a skip it. I have to say that um, having Lursa and Bator in this makes no other sense than to try to get people who are watching Next Gen to watch Deep Space Nine. So uh, it's an episode that's uneven for me, and it's just like, uh, eh, Dan? Interesting. I, I agree with you 100% on the Lursa and Bator. It's only to bring in the people that have been watching uh, TNG. But I rated this as a see it for one of the main reasons which you just talked about. This is the first appearance of Garrick and the interactions with Bashir and Garrick, especially at the very beginning of the episode, are incredible. And I absolutely love the dynamic and the the interaction between these two guys. Um, other than that, you have Vaughn Armstrong playing a Cardassian. So that's always a positive thing. Um, so that's why I gave it a see it. I will say the story isn't great. I'm not a big fan of the tonal loss aspect of the story, which is the, the A story, so to speak. But because of Garrick and because of Von Armstrong, I did actually give this one a see it. Okay. And I have to admit that I kind of went through the scene, the, the season myself, and I was trying to guess who's going to, Dan, what are you going to say? See it or skip it. And Bill, what are you going to say? I've made my guesses and I guess right on that one for those exact reasons. <laughs> you know us very well, my dear. <laughs> well, well, we'll see how it goes for the rest of the season. <laughs> okay. Um, episode four, a man alone. Odo is accused of the murder of a Bajoran murderer. He's accused of murdering a murderer. So um, Dan, see it or skip it. Well, uh, I love Odo. I think he's fantastic. Renee always does just a brilliant job with this character. But I did vote this as a skip it. Uh, to me, the episode is di- is disjointed. It wanders too much for my taste. Uh, and only being the second episode after the pilot, it was a little disappointing to me. Um, and also, I got to say, is it me or is it just – is Keiko just really a whiny character in this series. She really doesn't do anything in this episode, and she doesn't really do a lot in the series going forward that makes it more enjoyable, except maybe for season five's The Assignment when she gets taken over by a power wraith. But we'll get to that in season five. But this was a skip it for me. So Keiko sounds like Dan Davidson is what you're saying. Ouch! (laughs) Brooke! (laughs) Bill's being mean. Let's play nice, everyone. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Dan, I also rated this one a skip it. And, you know, it seems like in every Star Trek series, 
there's a crew member accused of murder episode. And it usually comes in the first season. And I think in Deep Space Nine, it came a little earlier than some of the other shows. Um, I feel like they were just ticking this one off a list to go, oh, yeah, wait, mm-hmm. we got this kind of episode. We got a Ferengi episode. We got a crew member accused of murder. Let's make it Odo. Yes, it's it's a skip it for me. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Okay. So uh, we've got one uh, see it for sure. The rest are debatable. Um, okay. Sounds a lot like the season, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, episode five, Babel. A mysterious virus plagues the station, causing speech distortions and eventually death. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. If we can't communicate, we die. Okay, Bill, see it or skip it? You know, I like this episode a lot. I know a lot of people who don't. It's fun. It puts the crew into a, you know, in a into a typical, yes, the crew is sick episode, but there's a greater challenge in that they have to learn to communicate somehow to get through this mess. So for me, this one is a see it. It's just one I like to watch, Dan. Okay. Yeah, we're actually in agreement, I got to say. That doesn't happen wow. often. Yeah, I, I rated this as a see it. I just think the I find the way that the virus affected people, especially O'Brien at the very beginning of the episode, to just be actually funny and amusing. Uh, Colmini does a great job with the speech. And since a lot of the time Bill says I sound just as confused, I just had to give this as a see it. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised. I had guessed that one as a skip it for you guys. So wow. there we go. Yeah. What is it for so, you? Um, it's uh, I enjoyed it, but it's a it's a skip it because for me it doesn't really build a lot on the characters except for the mm-hmm. beginning about O'Brien. But you 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 learn that about O'Brien that he's a hard worker and he's always gets he always gets put in the tough situations. Right. Um, so you don't need this episode to learn that about him. But as far as just it being uh, a Trek episode that that addresses, you know, an, a, an issue about what it means to be human and how important it is that we actually communicate, I totally am behind that message. So okay. it's uh, it's not one that I recommend friends to see when introducing this show to them, though. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, OK. Uh, episode six, Captive Pursuit. O'Brien befriends an alien named Tosk from the Gamma Quadrant, who's being hunted. Uh, So let's see. Dan, see it or skip it? Well, I will say this. This is my favorite episode in season one. It really Really? is. Yep. I gave this an overwhelming see it. And it's one of those things that you always remember certain things of what you were doing the first time you've done something. I was in South Africa the first time I saw this episode. I was a flight attendant for an airline, and we had flown in, and we were in Johannesburg, and we were getting settled in for the night. And I was in my room, and I threw on the TV, and this episode had just started, and I was mesmerized by it. I thought it was fantastic. I love Tosk. I think he's an amazing character, and I think that the whole uh, dilemma of having a sentient, intelligent being being nothing more than a hunted race was a very interesting Star Trek type topic. Um, and it's also one of the one of the first O'Brien-centric episodes, and I think it's just fantastic. So this was a definite see it for me. I have to agree with you. I mean, to me, this is one of those episodes that at its core is screams Star Trek. I think it's an episode that fits with, it could have fit in the original series. It could have fit in Next Gen. You could have made this fit for Voyager. You could have made it fit for Enterprise because it, it's about what Star Trek is about. And I, I think that it it does it very well. I think that early on in Deep Space Nine, it's a bit of a surprise mm-hmm. because this episode hits on so many levels that you almost don't believe it's a first season episode. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. So yeah, like you overwhelming see it. Um, I, I've never met anyone that doesn't like this episode. Uh, maybe I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> we all have our own tastes. I mean, uh, <clears throat> there's an episode in this season that I don't like to admit that I like, so. I bet uh, you I know which one no, it is. I yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll come up on it. Um, episode 7, Q-less. Q and Vosh arrive on Deep Space Nine. However, Vosh has realized the annoyance of Q and wants him to leave her alone. Uh, so, um, Dan, 
I'm sorry. No, Bill, see it or skip it. You know, back when we started putting together this list for season one, I went back and I watched a few episodes to remind myself of what they were like. So I get a a feel for them again. And this is one of the ones I went to watch and I fell asleep in the middle of it. So I am. It's not one of my favorites. I think it's a gimmick episode, kind of like having Lursa and Bator in past prologue. I think having a Q episode is just designed to get TNG fans to watch Deep Space Nine and to make it succeed. So uh, overall, uh, there are some fun moments in it, but I think it's a skip it. Okay. Well, we disagree on that one then. Nice. Um, I actually think that having Q on Deep Space Nine is the complete opposite of having Lisa, uh, Lursa and Bator on. I didn't think it was a gimmick as all, at all. John Delancey is phenomenal whenever he plays Q, whether it be on TNG, Voyager, or in this one episode of DS9. I loved him in this episode. I thought he was as witty as always. And Cisco punching him in the face shows how much better Cisco is than Picard. Uh, so what else can be said? I I think it's a good episode. I will say the, if if Vaj was not in the story and it was somebody else and something else with Q, I would have liked it even more because I'm not a huge fan of hers. But I loved the banter between uh, Cisco and Q. So I gave this one as a see it. I do understand why you chose it as a skip it though, Bill. Um, I, I do... Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't agree with it because I gave it a see it, but I certainly see why some people wouldn't like it. Yeah. And I have to say, it's to see it just so you can see Q get hit. <laughs> and I'm not a violent person, but it's, it's an interesting um, insight into Q getting hit. And he doesn't actually do anything in retaliation to Cisco. It's an interesting view. Picard never hit me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, for me, it's to see it, but only for that reason. So. Because yeah, I, I don't much care for Vosh, but that's just because she's my competition with Picard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, episode eight, Dax. Jadzia Dax is accused of a murder committed by her symbiont in another lifetime. So, uh, Dan, see it or skip it? This is a definite see it. This is an excellent episode. It's a great first Jadzia-centric episode. Terry shines all the time as as Dax and all of her time that she was on the series. But this one is one of the first ones that really can concentrate on her character and give her the opportunity to perform. She nails it. She does a great job. It gives us a lot of backstory into what it's like to have a symbiont and have lived many lifetimes. Definite see it for me. This one for me is also a see it. I mean, yeah, it's another one of those checklist episodes. We had the murder episode. We got the courtroom episode now. But I think it's a really interesting take as far as Star Trek goes. Plus, you have to add into this some of the guest performances by by Anna Haney, who's one of my favorite actresses in the world. And then isn't this, is this the one where Gregory Itzen's in it too? From 24? Oh, I'm going to have to double check that one. So is Anne Haney the actress who plays the magistrate? Yes. Amen. I love her. <laughs> I she she's phenomenal, and you know she's been in a whole bunch of things. Um, I, you know, I remember her in Liar Liar <laughs> when she plays Jim Carrey's secretary. It's phenomenal for that. But I, I think overall that this is just a another strong episode early on in the front half of Deep Space Nine, and it just it's got to be a see it for me. Back to you, Brooke. Excellent. Okay. Episode nine, The Passenger. A sinister criminal is hiding in the mind of someone on Deep Space Nine, but Bashir struggles to understand how it works. So, uh, Bill, see it or skip it? You know, this is one of those episodes that I went back and forth on for a while, but then ultimately I decided it was a see it. And that's because I just, I really like it because... Sid gets to do something really different so early on. You know, a lot of series don't get to do this until like season two or season three, maybe. And it's it's a compelling enough story that it holds the viewer for pretty much the entire time. And overall, I just like it. I think that he does a great job. Mm-hmm. Dan. Well, another disagreement, Bill, I have to say. Well, yeah, I That's because gave... you're wrong. Uh, okay. <laughs> wow. I gave this one a skip it. And I, I do understand what you're saying about what Sid's able to do in this episode. But for me, 
it wasn't interesting for me. It didn't hold my attention. As a matter of fact, I was watching this at lunch one day at work. I got up to go do something, and I never went back and finished it because it didn't hold my attention at all. To me, this episode reminded me a lot, or a little, I should say, of the Denzel movie uh, Fallen, where the murderer is oh, jumping yeah. around from person to person. It just didn't. It just didn't work for me, so I gave this one a skip it. That's interesting. I like it because... You know, Dr. Bashir up to this point has been a very wet behind the ears officer. And Sid gets to shake off that persona for 48 minutes. And I totally see what you're saying, though. All right. Let's well see that you do. Well, I will see that I do, mister. <laughs> okay. Um, episode 10. We're going to move along home now. Quark is forced to play a game by the Wadi, a newly encountered species, and the lives of the crew depend on the outcome. So, uh, Dan, see it or skip it? I just can't even. It's, um, skip it. Bill? <laughs> wow, that's the only rationale you're going to use. I just, it's just, uh, for me, I know that the, um, I have a feeling that this is the one that you were talking about, Brooke. But I just, I cannot even, I can't put into words how much I despise this episode. I just think it's, I just think it is embarrassing watching what the crew goes through um, when they're playing this game. And I just don't have any, any recognition at all that the Wadi is anything more than a joke alien that they wrote up. I just, I'm sorry, but I just, it's a skip it. Wow. <laughs> I, um, that's, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> My God. I um so it's campy, yes, <clears throat> it's painful, but Dan, for me this is a C, <laughs> and, and I'll tell you why. It's because there's something interesting and compelling about this episode. You can take this episode and drop it in the original series with those characters, and you would swear this was an original series episode. The only way I'm dropping it in the original series episodes is if it's in the toilet of one of the original series episodes. <laughs> you mean down the garbage chute with the phaser on overload? Yeah. But, you know, it's it's an interesting enough story. It's a different story for the next generation era of Star Trek. And ultimately, I think it's, I think it's enjoyable. I, I think it's a see it. Brooke? Yes, I have to agree with you, Bill, and that's why. It's it is very much an original series episode. Um even even just in its style, the way it looks, it's very much original series. And so and, and it makes me laugh. And yes, it is embarrassing to watch. But isn't that nice that you can feel so much for these actors that they had to do that? Yes. All right, let me let me say this then. I will pledge to the both of you that I will go back and watch this again with a with a more of an open mind. And on our next episode, Bill, remember to ask me what I thought, and I will say whether or not I have a different appreciation for it or if it stills belong da down that garbage chute. Okay, that's fair. I'll do that. All right. God, I got to okay. waste another I'm, hour of my life. I'm <laughs> <laughs> you can scroll Facebook while you're watching it. Allegedly. <laughs> okay, episode 11, The Nagus. Quark is named as the head of the Ferengi Alliance by Grand Nagazek, but he is now surrounded by enemies. So, uh, Bill, see it or skip it? Well, you know, while I love the Ferengi on Deep Space Nine, I don't enjoy usually the Ferengi episodes. And this one for me starts a long line of episodes that I just mentally find myself checking out of. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some nice character moments in this episode that really work. There are things like the first mention of the Bajoran fire caves or the gratitude festival. But for me, largely this episode doesn't do anything. So, I mean, even with Wallace Shawn, who is amazing and I, I love dearly ever since the princess bride, but for me, it, it's, it's a skip it, Dan. Okay. Well, uh, here we go. Wow. This is great. I love the differences that we have. Cause I gave this one a see it, which is surprising to me because I usually feel the same way about the Ferengi episodes. Um, I, um, was originally going to say skip it because of the fact that it was the Ferengi episodes that most of the time are just a very difficult to watch. But I thought this was an, this one was okay. It was the first time that we had a real Ferengi episode, and the scene with all of those Ferengi at the conference table was very interesting to me to see all the different ones and and how they all thought. It was also very interesting to me to see Rom 
who at the beginning of this series just looks like a buffoon most of the time, is actually conspiring to assassinate his brother. I thought that was a real interesting twist. So I gave this one a, uh, a see it. Wow, I'm really stunned by that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm in kind of the same boat as 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 you, Dan, because I don't like the Frankie episodes, and I was surprised I liked this one, yeah. um, for very much the same reasons. So yeah, um, surprising. Okay, our next episode is um, the uh, is Vortex. It's episode twelve. Odo discovers he might not be the only one of his kind when a visitor from the Gamma Quadrant claims he can contact Odo's people. So, uh, uh, Dan, see it or skip it? Uh, I gave this one a see it. I thought that this was a great Odo episode, which has the very first hints of what he is as a changeling and having someone from the Gamma Quadrant who discusses his race. Uh, I thought that was great. You can see the curiosity in in Odo's face right from the get-go. Um, and it was really great, actually, seeing the Motara Nebula from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan in this episode, even though it was renamed the Charn of Vortex. But I gave this one a see it. <laughs> Special guest star, the Motara Nebula. <laughs> I, um, this one's actually a skip it for me, believe it or not. You know, I watched this the weekend it premiered, and I didn't think then that we were going to learn that much about Odo's people this early on. And for me, this this episode still kind of holds true to that, because ultimately it's it, it's about this guy trying to get his daughter back. So there are fantastic character notes, but all in all, it's just it's a largely forget forgettable episode for me. God, I have Dan Davidson disease. I can't speak. Wow. Um, it's largely forgettable. So, yeah, I, for me, it's a skip it. I guess we're watching Babel again. We're <laughs> <laughs> living it. <laughs> okay, um, here's one of my favorite episodes. I'm giving that away. Um, mm-hmm. Episode 13, Battle Lines. Uh, the spiritual leader of Bejor, Kaiopaka, travels with Sisko on a trip to the Gamma Quadrant, but is stranded with him on a world where the dead are resurrected. So, uh, Bill, see it or skip it? This one for me, without a doubt, is a see it. In fact, I think it's one of the season one must-see episodes. I love the story, and I love having Jonathan Banks in this episode. I think it's a definite plus. I was truly saddened when we realized that it was the last we'd see of Opaka for all intents and purposes, because I really loved her character. I mean, we're only you know 13 episodes into the series, and I felt like she had made this indelible mark on the series and I had no idea where they were going to take it from there. So uh, for all of those reasons, plus the, the twist with why they can't leave. Uh, I think this is a fantastic episode, Dan. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent with everything you said, uh, Bill, which is a rarity in itself. It is definitely a see it. Uh, I agree with you. Apaka is a very popular character on DS9 and it's amazing that she was as popular as she was for only being in so few episodes. It's a great Opaka story. Like you said, the twist at the end of why she can't leave, it's heartbreaking uh, to watch that yeah. end scene for me. It is definitely one of the best of the seasons and a, a capital see it. I'm so glad that you guys both agree with me on that one. Um, that's that. Yeah, that's a, that's a definite see it. Oh, it's um, amazing. Yeah, it's great. Um, it just, just really good performances, I think. Um, and interesting ideas. Um, the storyteller is our next episode. O'Brien's recruited to save a Bajoran village from destruction by a mysterious cloud creature. Uh, so, uh, Dan, see it or skip it. I gave this one a skip it. I thought it was a very weak episode. One of the things that bothered me in this episode is we've always been seeing this strong united Bajor now that the Cardassian occupation is over. And I feel that this story, that strong Bajor is missing. Uh, So I thought it was kind of a weak episode. And the whole idea of that death cloud, I just thought was very... Uh, unbelievable and not done very well. So I gave this one a skip it. Interesting, because I was completely opposite from you, and I said it's a see it, um, mainly because it it kind of gets us used to the whole Miles and Julian pairing early on, and really it, it's one of the first really big pieces of of you know an episode they gave Cole Meany to do as, as opposed to fixing the transporter or the replicator or whatever else was, was going wrong on the station. I liked it because it got him out of his comfort zone as a character and, uh, and almost probably as an actor too. Um, 
it's just, it's different. It tells us something about the Bajorans, whether they're unified or not. But uh, ultimately, I like the episode because I like what happens with O'Brien. So for me, it's to see it. So I feel bad that you're wrong all the time. <laughs> I, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> oh, be kind. I'm, I'm, I, I love him. See, even though he's wrong. Yeah, oh, I know you guys. I know you guys love each other. Um, no, it's interesting because I'm kind of in between the two of you. One of my favorite kinds of stories is is stories that tell us that the this is what I believe the stories we tell ourselves become true and a lot of Terry Gilliam movies and things like that are all about that yeah. so that 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 theme in there is one of my favorite themes to see I did not like the way it was done hmm. so anyway um so our, our next story uh episode uh 15 progress Kira has to deal with a stubborn farmer played by Brian Keith who refuses to leave his home, even though it's slated for demolition. So, uh, Bill, see it or skip it? This is one of those that when I saw it, you know, previewed, I'm like, okay, all right, whatever. Old guy, Kira's got to make him leave, imminent domain type thing, okay. And then I watched the episode the weekend it was on, I realized, oh my God, that's Brian Keith. I mean, family affair and went to Hardcastle and McCormick. Hardcastle and McCormick. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and this is some of the best work he actually does on television, especially in the later part of his career. And Nana, I mean, she's fantastic in this episode because she has to be vulnerable and stern at various points of this. She doesn't want to make this guy leave, but in the end she has to because it's her job and she has to come to that realization through this episode. So for me, this is another one of those season one must sees. Um, it's just, it's, it's a see it for me. Yeah, it is a definite see it for me as well. I thought Brian Keith in this episode was just phenomenal. And Hardcastle McCormick was, when, when he was on, I'm like, oh my God, he's from Hardcastle. I thought it was awesome to have him as a guest star. This is an amazing Kira story because it shows that conflict that she has with having to force uh, Mulebach, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, to leave his home and he doesn't want to leave. She kind of feels like a Cardassian in that she's making this person uh, leave uh, his home. Uh, I thought it was very well acted by Nana, like you said, Bill, and portraying that that inner turmoil that she was feeling. And I also got to say, the scene between her and Cisco uh, having the discussion is one of the best of the first season between the two of them. And it actually shows how deep their relationship will become. So it's a definite see it. I'm glad. That's a see it for me, too. Um, episode 16, If Wishes Were Horses. Uh, Deep Space Nine is put in jeopardy when the crew's thoughts manifest themselves, and such figures as Rumpelstiltskin appear. I only wish it was like Rumpelstiltskin from Once Upon a Time, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Dan, is that a see it or skip it for you? Uh, this is a skip it on every level to me. I thought this episode was a complete mess. Uh, if it wasn't for the whole hopscotch thing in Move Along Home, this one might have been the worst of the season for me. So um, I had to, I had to give this one a skip. It, it just, I just do not like this episode at all. And other than that, you have absolutely no strong feelings <laughs> on the matter. Nothing else to your say. Your honor. That's all <laughs> that I have to say about that. Um, let me take that a step further, because I'm going to say that there aren't many episodes of Star Trek I hate. <laughs> Like, I tolerate the Ferengi episodes as much as they may bore me at times. I dislike this episode with a passion. Um, just because I it just, uh, it's, I watch it and I go, meh. <laughs> meh. Meh? I'd be like, bleh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I understand what they were trying to do. I think that there are just aspects of it that just don't work right per se. Um, so for me, it's a skip it, Brooke. So, in other words, not just skip it, burn it with fire. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Leave it in the Bajoran fire caves. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, episode 17, The Forsaken. The Federation ambassador from Beta Z, Loxana Troy, one of my favorite characters, um, visits the station and develops an affection for Odo. And I have to say, it was this episode that made me really like her. So, um, Bill, uh -oh. see it or skip it? Uh-oh. <laughs> no pressure. Um, this is a, this is a definite scene. There are beautiful scenes between Majel and Renee. Um, it's another one of those stunts, in my opinion, 
Like, uh, would Waxana really wind up on Deep Space Nine? Maybe, maybe not. But it's really well written. And that moment where Odo just finally lets go and reverts to his natural form just is really emotional for him and the audience. And it's a real turning point for Odo. So I, I think it's an absolute see it without a doubt. I don't want to say anything. <laughs> well, that's a first, ladies and gentlemen, on the Trek Geeks podcast. All right. I'm going to preface this with Brooke. I'm sorry for what I'm about to oh, say. Oh, no. Okay. You you can be honest with me. It's okay. I'm, Just be yourself. And, You're and don't be with insulted me. with how I kind of word something in here because it's a little off all. the cuff. All right. Not at all. I gave this one a skip it for, I, I will say. And, and I'm going to actually talk about it later on in the show and the rappers. Uh, Bill, you'll probably laugh when, when you hear what, what I'm going to bring this up as. That scene when he kind of just finally lets go and, and turns into his gelatinous state and she just welcomes him in is one of the most touching episodes of the uh, moments of the season. It is brilliant. But I am not a big fan of the Waxana episodes. I, and you, what you said, Bill, it was a stunt to have her on the show like Lursa and Bator, but not Q. I just think her infatuation with Odo, the way that it, uh, that it just comes out of, out of the air is kind of annoying to me. And she's kind of turned into an ambassador when you think of it. You've got, Whoa. I know, I know, and I'm sorry, but you've got Timison, you've got Picard, you've got Campio, and later on in Deep Space Nine, you've got JL, and now you have Odo. It just is like, come on, honey, let's 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 make up your mind. And it's she's she's got needs. I know, but I, I just <laughs> I, on top of that, on top of the whole Loxana thing, the problems with the space station computers constantly having problems in this first season is starting to get old. Oh my god, why do you hate America? <laughs> <laughs> because I love O'Brien, and I'm tired of O'Brien having to take the brunt of the problem with the space station being able to interface with Starfleet technology. But O'Brien must suffer. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like me with you every week. Can we move on? Wow. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. We will move on. <laughs> um, episode 18, uh, Dramatis Personae. A Klingon ship comes through the wormhole and explodes. A mutiny is considered. So, uh, Dan, see it or skip it? I gave this one a skip it, um, primarily because it seemed like a repeat. It reminded me far too much of a mix between Return to Tomorrow from the original series and Power Play from The Next Generation. Uh, it just didn't work for me, so uh, I gave it a, a skip. It not not too not too bad of a skip. It, but just one that is was. If I had to tell somebody what episodes to watch, I would not include this one. Wow, I I actually really like this episode, um, and because it's so bizarre, you know the the various alters that you know the cast members take on Cisco and the clock. I still want that clock to this day, and I, I think I only love the clock because this episode just is a little out there. Um, I love everything about it, the fact that it is so weird. I love the fact that there's a continuity error in the cargo bay where Cisco is wearing a comm badge and then isn't and then is. Um, I just, this is an episode I like. I know It's another one of those that I know a lot of people just skip or don't watch, but um, I think it's worth the 48 minutes because... I think there's something different about it, and I think it helps set DS9 apart. Yeah, in fact, for being an, an, an episode where you're taking characters and making them act against their character, which mm. a lot of times that doesn't work, like um, in Naked Naked Now in The Next Generation, it was so early you didn't even know what the characters were. But this one, you're still figuring out who the characters are, and so it almost works. Like it, Like when you first watch it, you think this really could be happening. Um, yeah. you don't realize it at first. It's, it's mind bleepery a little bit with, with being in the first season, but late enough in the first season that you think it might work. So I think it's really interesting, but it's not necessary to understand the rest of the story to watch it. So, um, okay. yeah, it, it would, it would be a skip it for me too. Thank you. Um, <laughs> ex except I think there's a really interesting conversation between Dax and Kira anyway, but We'll continue on to one of the high points of Trek, the Trek world, I think. Um, episode 19, uh, Duet. A visiting Cardassian Maritza may in fact be the notorious war criminal Goldar Heel, the butcher of the Galata labor camp. 
and Kira's determined to bring him down. So, Bill, see it or skip it. If there's one episode that is an absolute must-see in season one, it's this one. It is, hands down, the best episode of the season. It's got an amazing script. It's got incredible performances by Nana and by Harris Eulin. It, it's got a twist. It's got two twists, theoretically. Um, I can't say enough good things about this episode. And uh, if you're watching DS9 season one and you only watch one episode, this one should be it. Dan? Yeah, um, there's not much more I can say. Uh, it is a definite see it. I said that Captive Pursuit is my favorite episode of the season, but this episode is hands down the best episode of season one of Deep Space Nine. And it might be one of the best episodes, not only of DS9 as a whole, but Star Trek everything. It is it is perfection, in my opinion, uh, this episode. Kira uh, Nana is amazing. And like you said, Bill, Harris Eulin, he should have won an Emmy or whatever award for television they give out for guest guest stars because it is it is amazing. I I, I don't want to jump ahead too many seasons, but this and The Wire are two of those episodes that you just you can watch over and over and over again and never get bored of it because it is amazing. Definite see it, the see it of the season. Yeah, in fact, this is one that I recommend to my friends who are like, why do you like Star Trek? And I will say, watch Duet. Yep. And you'll get an idea of why I like Star Trek. This is this is among the best of Star Trek. So, um, Episode 20, In the Hands of the Prophets. Friction escalates when Vedic Wynn arrives on Deep Space Nine and discovers school teacher Keiko O'Brien is teaching about aliens in the Bajoran wormhole. So, Dan, see it or skip it? Um, I originally wasn't sure what I was going to say for this one. I de- ended up going uh, with See It uh, as the season finale. Uh, not a cliffhanger, uh, but there's great conflict with Vedic Wynn and Keiko, uh, and, excuse me, and Keiko for, for talking about the wormhole aliens instead of the prophets. Louise Fletcher, uh, an amazing actress. This is her first appearance in Deep Space Nine of only 13 or 14 appearances, which is really amazing when you think about it. She does great. Um, the political implications with Wynn plotting the assassination of Brile uh, is a great plot line. Um, it starts her on the path of being Kai Wynn, which we see all the way up through the series finale. Finale. And the ending displays the understanding that the Bajorans and the Federation have come to in the in the previous six months. But it's also very easy to see that there's a lot more to come in terms of political intrigue in the coming seasons. I think this one's a see it. I um I have to say this is not an episode I love, but it does do a lot of things. You know, there's there's a lot in this episode. I don't think it's a great season finale. Honestly, I think duet should have been the season finale. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like you said, it does introduce Win. It does a great job of painting DS9 as anything but the Enterprise. Um, and it does set stuff up for season two and beyond. So I think for me, this one is is definitely a see it. But again, it's it's not that it's borderline. It's just a, uh, see it because I think it matters mainly. So. If that makes sense. All right. Yeah, it's a it's a see it for me too. I um, it talks about some of my favorites. The conflict, perceived conflict between science and religion, is some is a topic that just lights my fire. Um, so it's it's I love the way it approaches that that uh, conflict, and then it also is a good wrap up and introduction of of Quinn. Okay, so that is that is our season. Wow. Um, really is. Yeah. So. Uh, so- Usually at this point, we tally up um, the percentage. Okay. Let's see. I kept track, and I put it in the wrong column on my Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> I think we kept track of ours to help okay, you out. Okay, good. In case. <laughs> that would be good because, uh, yeah, it would take me too long to figure out the percentage at this point. So, uh, so Dan, why don't you uh, tell us uh, how you turned out? Well, if I do my math correctly, it looks like I picked 12 of the 20 episodes uh, as see it. So that comes out to 60%, which, as we've talked in the past, usually the first couple seasons of these Star Trek series aren't normally that great. So to be over 50%, I think, is a good thing. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I um, I was going through my uh, my tabulation here, and I got 13 out of 20. I, I was 65%. Which uh, I'm kind of surprised at. Huh. 
you know, the first seasons of a lot of Star Trek shows get, you know, grief because they're not great. And clearly there's more here than I thought before, which is really interesting to me. Brooke, did you keep a tab of what you would have chosen as see it or skip it? You know, I didn't. Um, but actually, I probably would have a, a, a lower percentage than you guys, even though I love Deep Space Nine. Um, That's okay. Uh, coming from the point of view of like a lot of my friends are, who aren't Trekkies are just baffled. Why do you like this show? And so I would be like super picky and probably only show them two or three of those episodes as uh. as a way to introduce Star Trek. Um, if somebody's already a Trekkie, uh, they they may or may not like if wishes were horses or move along home. And <laughs> and who am I to tell them? It's Idic, you know. I'll tell them. <laughs> Second shop. <laughs> Alva Rain, count to three. Oh God, please stop. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, Brooke, we cannot thank you enough for joining us for this special See It or Skip It. Um, We've talked about how Deep Space Nine is our favorite series. Uh, We're going to do this again, I know, and and I'll tell you right now, we would love to have you back for another round of See It or Skip It. Maybe by then I'll be nicer to Bill, but I doubt it. Oh, I hope you always remain just the way you are. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And I would love to come back. This has been a blast. Thank you guys so much for having me. It is our pleasure, and we cannot wait to see you in Vegas in August and whatever new cosplay ideas you might come come up with because they are phenomenal. Oh, well, thank you. I've got some ideas hatching, so we'll see. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you so much, Brooke. Live long and prosper. We can't thank Brooke enough for coming on and dealing with us. <laughs> it was a great discussion, and we had a good time. Dan, I'm really surprised that we came out with the same percentage. Um, I'm, I am, and I'm not. We seem to think on the same lines a lot of times. I think just the fact that we had different episodes that we uh, differed on, but we, we, I think we've been pretty close with just about every theater skip that we've had. So it just shows that I'm not as dumb as you think I am. Uh, or I'm dumber than I thought I was. One of the two. I'm not really <laughs> sure which. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see when we get into some of the the later seasons of like Voyager or Next Gen, mm-hmm. or even if we take up Enterprise, if that ratio stays the same. Well, well, if? Well, because I mean, you know, like the seventh season of Next Gen is not fantastic. Let's be no, honest. I mean, if Enterprise, so we're we're doing Enterprise, Mister. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, pardon me, mister. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Dan, at this point, we should thank your close personal friends of the band Five Year Mission. They are, of course, all the music you hear on the Trek Geeks podcast. And honestly, we can't thank them enough. They're so great to us. And we really want everyone to head out to fiveyearmission.net and download every single last one of their albums and memorize them. Because that way, when year four comes out, because mm. they're going to start recording it pretty soon. Yeah, I heard about that. You'll be ready. And that's what we want people to be, Dan, is ready. So yep. go get some five-year mission. Yeah, Fark uh, actually dropped a little hint uh, on Facebook with us the other day that uh, they're getting ready to start year four recording. So it's going to be pretty awesome. Speaking of Fark, though. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Deep Space Nine, see it or skip it, season one. I just happened to watch it. It was God, what an episode. It was so good. It's such a tender moment. You know, our beloved drummer had been holding it together after a 12-hour concert at STLV and stuck in an elevator near the Masquerade Bar. He he had to return to his gelatinous state in the arms of a Loxana Troy cosplayer. It was a great episode. It's called The Farksaken, as a matter of fact, and I would recommend that everyone check it out. Wow. Mm. That was a... Uh... Huh? That was great. The fark saken. Yeah. Well, I got some. I got some. I got some. Some I'll, bad vibes from Fark for last week's Kobe Farky Maru. So. That was terrible. <laughs> this one's not much better. <laughs> I, they're never really good, right? Do you, Do you write these in advance, or I, do you just sort of I, plug them out of the sky I'm when you not, sit down to record? I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Because That's a trade then, secret. Because then it's wow, you're really bad off the off the cuff, or you're really bad when you sit down and write. So either way, I'm not saying. Wow. Yeah, but we love Five Year Mission, and that's all that matters, right? <laughs> that is all that matters. So, like we say, get yourself one out to FiveYearMission.net. Buy all their albums, pretty please. Mm-hmm. It'll make Dan happy. With Farky on top. 
Yeah. Okay. Dan, our iTunes subscriber review campaign continues. We're looking for lots and lots of reviews, honest reviews. We want people to give us their honest opinion of the podcast, and in return, they may get a surprise. A big surprise of $25 of the Amazon gift card or the equivalent of whatever $25 is outside of the United States, because I can't do math. Uh, but uh, yeah, send in the reviews. We love them. We love to read them. We love to, uh, we like to change things around based on what these reviews say. We really take them to heart. So uh, uh, send in the review and uh, you will be automatically entered for that $25 gift card, man. Sounds great. Uh, Dan, why don't you tell us what we got coming up next week? Yeah, next week should be great. Uh, you know, during this 50th anniversary of Star Trek, we've been hearing all kinds of, um, quote, what are the best episodes of Star Trek ever? So uh, we've decided to jump into the fray, and next week we are going to rank our top 10 Trek episodes ever with the one and only Mr. Trek Ranks himself, Jim Morehouse, a.k.a. Enterprise Extra, OMG, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> We may have to let him fire phasers on this show. I think it's in his contract. <laughs> he is a pro at that. He is. He is. He gives the little nod and everything. Oh, like, yeah, I got God. this. <laughs> He's like a, a, a tactical veteran. He's a at wizard. This point. A wizard. Oof. Wow. Should be awesome. Well, Dan, of course, people may have heard Jim on on the podcast of some friends of ours. And of course, I speak of the Tricorder Transmissions. We hope everybody will check them out for some more great Star Trek discussion. They are, of course, online at thetricordertransmissions.com. And for all of the latest news on everything Star Trek, we really hope you'll get on over to treknews.net and check them out. For now, Dan, this has been episode 84 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Alamorain, coconut drinks, Alamorain, Bill Smith stinks. Alamorain, one more time. Alamorain, it's a coconut rhyme. <laughs>
What, what are you drinking? Uh, watermelon. Uh, margarita with watermelon chunks in it. Nice. Yeah, I have a uh, ginger ale. Excellent. That's good. The ale made from the tears of gingers. No? Um, That's from, not what it is? From Gilligan's Island? No. Okay. I mean like Ed Sheeran? Oh, they, well, there you go. Yeah, that kind of ginger. You got any extra? <laughs> Whoa. You have issues. Uh huh. I do. Yeah. Yes. I made, uh, you know how I love duck. Yeah. We made a crock pot duck dinner this past week. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm like, all right, let's find some duck recipe. And I, we have a slow cooker and we're like, we should make something so that we can just put it together in the morning. And we don't have to worry about making dinner when we get home. So all it is is two duck breasts, a bunch of apples. A bunch of oranges cut up, some onion cut up, and some frozen concentrated orange juice. Boom. That's it. It wow. was yummy. I'll bet it was. Because I'll eat anything that's duck. So Right. Now, yeah. tell the truth. No. Is this another Guy Fieri recipe? It was not. It was not a Guy Fieri recipe. I just did a search online for crock pot duck recipes, and that's what came up. I believe it was from BettyCrocker.com. I see what you did there. Crock pot, crocker. Yes, so that's hey. the little plug. Check it out, BettyCrocker.com. dot com. Why, why are we Why are we giving free plugs to the Betty Crocker website? Because it was a good recipe, jerk. Wow! If you said something nice, I'd probably plug you. But we know that never happens, so I chose BettyCrocker.com. dot com. That wording was unfortunate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My dog just came upstairs, jumped on the couch, curled up into a ball, and stuck her face in the couch, so it's like buried it's quite funny probably because she doesn't want to listen to you uh, she can't hear me oh yes she can believe me you're like a freaking dog whistle what you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world <laughs> bill <laughs> yeah that's what i said oh no you're not talking to me now no <laughs> Sorry. You ready to do this jerk? Yes, I am. Right. Please. 